morning. Thank you very much for coming alongside me this morning and finding out a little bit more of about the role of the bereavement coordinator here in the Trust. I'm Sharon, and I'm delighted to be able to spend a little bit of time with you. It's Friday morning, the 22nd of October, and it's a beautiful morning here. I'm into the office early, come in about 8 o'clock, and I'm just looking out onto the green space opposite my window. And the trees are beginning to change in colour. The light's just about beginning to hit them, and people are out getting a little bit of early morning exercise with their dogs. The day started in a similar way for me. We have a working Cocker Spaniel, Pete, and uh, he is just one of those dogs that's full of energy. So about a quarter to six, he just bounces into the bedroom and shakes from his nose to his tail. Uh, His collar goes flying and jingling, and uh, that's our morning alarm clock to say, get up and uh, hurry up, get your shoes on and take me out for a walk. So we have our half hour uh, walk down and round the chapel and back up again. We stop and have a quick conversation with Brian, one of our neighbours. He's out at that time of the morning too. It's just only really only the two lunatics out, I suppose, in the dark walking. And uh, then it's back to the house breakfast for for the three of us, my dog and my husband and myself, and uh, then into the car and off on the road to work. So. It's quiet here this morning. Uh, I suppose some people are off for the weekend and uh, it's a Halloween holiday start next week, so uh, the corridor is quiet. Just grab a cup of coffee here, I've got one in front of me, and then I'll take a look and see what's ahead for, t- for today. Right, okay, at 10 o'clock I'm going to be meeting with a family and with one of the consultants here. Um, their daddy died about uh, six weeks ago now and uh, sometimes we find particularly during COVID death in hospital is tough, death is tough but um, and we layer that up in the context of COVID um, and families can't be present as much as they would like to be um, there are families that are left with questions on their mind so where possible we try to have those conversations and get those hard questions out so that they can be answered and those pieces of the jigsaw can be filled in because that we know um, helps to, to, to you know to, to process some of the what ifs that, that can play very heavily and go around your minds um, whenever we're not quite sure what happened. Uh, after that I am going to make some bereavement calls. And these are calls that we make now to every family when a loved one dies in hospital. We make them about two weeks or so after the person's died and it's literally a, a little check in call when we just um, express our sympathies on behalf of the Trust and uh, just see how they are. They're, we we um, just listen and, and recognise and acknowledge their distress. Sometimes we're able to let them know that how they're feeling is, is normal and to be expected and that they're not going mad and that they're not alone in how they're feeling. Um, we send out information where people are happy to receive it because we know information can be helpful and uh, we will signpost on to other services. Sometimes we keep in touch with some people for a little while longer because we know that that's been helpful too. I don't know what you know about the role of the bereavement coordinator. Um, sometimes people think I'm a counsellor, um, but, but I'm not. I'm a nurse. And it's those core skills that I draw upon in my day-to-day work. Um, I came into this post initially in 2006 when they were first established in Northern Ireland. 
and they came about um, out of the human organ retention inquiry when there was a recommendation that um, called um, organisations to really um, focus in and enhance um, how we care for people at the time of death and support people early in their bereavement because we know that when we do this really well it has um, it, it helps people as, as they move forward in grief. So there's one of us in each of the five trusts and um, they're a very multi-layered job. Um, we have a strategic context, so we sit on a number of um, departmental working groups related to dying and death. And then we very much lead um, and try and coordinate um, all aspects of death and and bereavement within our trusts. So that's very, very diverse. It's every community service, every context of death, every age group of death. And uh, we've been so blessed to have our bereavement midwives join um, this aspect of care a couple of years ago too. They provide such critical care whenever families are experiencing the death of a, of a baby either before or around the time of death. There are so many services that all have a part to play in this and that's the key message. We are coordinators um, and it's, it's us working alongside teams that really looks to enhance that, that focus of care. So our vision is to work for continuous improvement in, in the care of dying people where the care of dying people is recognised as important as the care of people who are living and that after death care is a continuation of that good practice. It's an area that's probably quite surprising for me to find myself working in. Um, certainly as a child I could never have imagined it. I remember having a very early um, memory of of being very, very fearful of death and also that people that were important to me and that I loved were going to die. So here I am 30 plus years later and I've spent quite a chunk of my nursing career working in this area. I suppose though when I look at this I can honestly say that I think I am the right round peg for this round hole. I love connecting with people. I love just that opportunity to come alongside and to gently facilitate and to try and do whatever I can that, that helps. I learned a long time ago in this area of work that there's an awful lot that we can't fix and we can't make better. Um, and when you recognise that, but are prepared to say, right, well, that's the case. But let's see what we can do at this time for these people that is significant to them. But that, that 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 helps to come alongside them as they live through the anticipated death, the death, and to start to continue to live in a world without a person. And I find that extremely humbling um, to have the opportunity to do this. I know that there's a lot of people that are really quite scared and worried about not knowing what to say to people who are grieving. People need very little from us, and I think that's a message I want to get out to every one of you who happens to listen in this call, um, whether you're a porter, a receptionist, a member of our Donning Dolphin team, an administrator, a consultant. What people really need is for us to be able to see them. 
recognize when somebody's in distress, whether that is walking down a corridor and they look worried or they look tearful or they look burdened, to have the courage to just say, can I check, hello, my name's Sharon, can I just check in and see how you are? And they, they need very little from us, it's just that opportunity to recognize their distress and be prepared to acknowledge it. One of the big messages that's come through over this last year is how significant little acts of kindness and compassion really, really matter. Yes, we all need to be able to do our job confidently, um, but on top of that, recognizing when somebody's suffering and being able to just respond with a kind word that allows them to know that their pain is seen and it is acknowledged and um, it's witnessed, I think, offers an awful lot. So it's a job that I love doing. It's a job that can take an awful lot out of us. So there's a little team here that works in this area, and it's only since COVID last year that we've really been doing so much of the outreach work. And sometimes just listening to people um, who are grieving the loss of something really, really important to them is it's just... It can be hard to hold, and uh, at the same time, there's a place where it is hugely affirming in terms of what this means for us as human beings, and our connectedness to each other, and the importance of holding on and acknowledging and being grateful for the people that are in our lives and the importance of the little things, the little encounters that we have every day to day along the way. And that that really is the importance and the significance of our lives. This afternoon, I'm going to do some of the strategic work that I have to do. Um, We're we're working on a a workshop at the minute that's uh, looking to really um, develop a pathway of bereavement support for families who experience the death of a child. I've got a phone call to make up to the emergency department. I was speaking to uh, a a wife this week and she's really keen to know whether the black t-shirt that her husband was wearing when he came into hospital would still be in the department. These items are of huge value and significance to people and I think it's really important that we don't assume um, that that people are quite happy for them to be discarded and disposed of. Everything connects back, everything connects back to this person. So how we respond to people, how we respond to their belongings, how we're prepared to ask them the questions. And what's, what, how does this feel for you? What's going on in your mind? What are you worried about? To give people the space to actually voice things out loud is all part and parcel of how we care for people in distress, whether that distress is over a diagnosis or whether that distress is because their life is becoming very uncertain and they're worried and they're worried about the people around them. So little is required from us apart from really being prepared to be kind and to acknowledge and uh, it goes such a long way. And uh, all of that gives me great um, satisfaction, for want of a better world. Um, Because I do believe that in this world, we're here to connect with others. And we're all part of one much bigger picture. 
and the opportunity to recognize and to assist um, is important to me. I came into the nursing uh, to serve. I, it always was my primary drive was to recognize that this is a, a, a career of service to others. And uh, I try to do my best and to serve others, whether they're members of staff, whether they're families, whether they're friends. So I'll get to about um, five, half five this evening, and hopefully I'll get everything tied up that I need to do today, and then I'll head on up the road. Tonight I go and stay with my parents. My dad is in great health, and I stay every other night with him. And uh, it's a gentle time. He's 94, and he doesn't get out of bed terribly much now, so at some stage I'll prop myself up onto the bed beside him and we'll, we'll watch TV and we'll reminisce for a while, and uh, that's a special time too. And hopefully we'll all get a night's sleep. That would be a treat. It doesn't happen terribly often at the minute, um, but it's, it's, it's lovely in the middle of a difficult time with my with my family and, and my dad. It's lovely to be part of a little tight family that's able to keep dad in his own corner and um, keep him safe and secure and do for him what I hope I've done for others. Um, 